All the tech platforms ban Trump and de-platform parlor. The media bay for conservative heads and House Democrats push forward toward a second impeachment. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. For peace of mind, whenever you go online, visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. All right, so I just want to begin today with something that I never do, but I'm going to do it now. Okay, I really don't do this because it's self-serving and it seems silly, but I'm just going to say right now, I want you to go subscribe over at dailywire.com to this show. It's what we do at Daily Wire. The reason I'm saying this is because we are quickly reaching crisis point in terms of the attempt to bar conservatives from virtually every platform. That is what we are watching in real time happen. On the back of the awful and evil incident at the Capitol last week, the entire tech infrastructure is now mobilizing in order to take conservative outlets off the air in order to ensure that conservative websites no longer appear. Here's the thing. They may not be doing it right this second, but they have now set the predicate that they can do it whenever they want. And what they are doing right now is that the tech bros have declared war on conservatives. It's going to be a slow moving war. They're going to start with people who are outliers. They're going to start with people who are considered more radical. But they have basically decided that if they at any point have the opportunity to take you out, they will take you out. So I can't guarantee how long Apple Podcasts is going to be distributing things like Daily Wire Podcasts. I can't guarantee how long Amazon Web Services is going to allow websites like Daily Wire to be up. You need to go directly to the source. You need to go to dailywire.com right now and you need to subscribe because it may be, over the course of the next couple of years, it may be the only way you actually get the content that you want. Okay, the way that Facebook is moving, the way that Twitter is moving, the way that all of these outlets are moving, all of these supposed platforms, they are now no longer really platforms. They are now publishers, basically based on what they are doing. The way that all of these outlets are moving, they're moving more and more toward the deplatforming, dismissal, the creation of an echo chamber just for the left. That is what is happening right now. We are watching the purge, okay? And it's not just on the tech level. It is also happening at the corporate level. It's already happened in Hollywood. It is happening in the schools. It is happening nearly everywhere. We are dividing formally into two Americas. Those Americas are not divided by state. They're not really divided by race. Those Americas are divided by politics. There will be a group of corporations that only services the left. There will be a group of online mechanisms that are only allowed to actually platform the left. And the, and the right's going to have to build its own outside mechanisms. I, I've been warning about this for quite a while. It's, it's amazing because the same people right now who are calling for deplatforming, the same people who are calling for corporations not to do business with people who are conservative, the same people who are attempting to boot people from platforms that were supposed to be places for open discussion and debate, those same people complain that the right lives in an echo chamber. Well, one of the reasons that the right has increasingly lived in an echo chamber is because the left has forced everybody outside the Overton window. The left continues to shrink the Overton window so that it encompasses only them and only their friends. Everyone else will be canceled. Everyone else will lose access to even speak to other people. And what we are watching right now is one of the most dangerous moments in modern American history, not just because of what happened at the Capitol last week. That was extraordinarily dangerous. And we are finding out new details showing how extraordinarily dangerous that was for the Congress people, for the vice president, for everybody inside, for the police officers. The second police officer committed suicide over the weekend. It was an extraordinarily dangerous event. But it turns out that on the back of extraordinarily dangerous events, extraordinarily terrible things can take place. And one of the things that is taking place right now is the division of America into conservative and liberal. This could be a unifying moment, as I said last week, because everybody of sound mind looks at what happened at the Capitol last week and is appalled and thinks it's disgusting and horrible. Instead, what we are watching is the exacerbation of an underlying philosophical rift. And not just that, what we are watching is the formalization of that rift so that now you are just not going to be able to associate with anybody on the opposite side of the aisle because the people on the other side of the aisle will not want to associate with you in any way, shape, or form. Hey, Axios is basically admitting that this morning. So Axios has a short piece by Mike Allen and Jim Vandehey, and here's what they write. Republicans are losing power where power matters most at the national level, in politics, media, technology, and the workplace. And this is right, and this happens to be correct. The right is being barred from the halls of power in nearly every area of American life, from sports to Hollywood, from technology to your workplace. Right? You're getting the letters from your employer saying that if you posted in favor of Trump back in September, or if you said, I'm voting for Trump back in September, or if you posted against Black Lives Matter back in August, well, you know, you may lose your job. All your friends are going to look at you askance. If you work in the tech industry and you signify that you are in favor of sites like Daily Wire or Daily Caller or anyone on the right not being shadow banned or downplayed, 
you might find yourself on the firing line. The, 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 the political conflict that has characterized the country since inception, right? I mean, that's never stopped, has now boiled over into every area of American life. This is where it affects Americans. Because let's, you know, who wins Congress, who doesn't win Congress? That has some impact on your life, right? Who wins the presidency, who doesn't win the presidency? That has some impact on your life in terms of regulations and taxes and policy. But what really has impact on your life is how you're treated by your friends, by your neighbors, by your employers, by the outlets that you use, by the culture that surrounds you. And all of that is being twisted against you right now if you are conservative. And Axios is pointing this out because Axios happens to be correct about this. They say Republicans often felt mistreated when they had real power in the form of the presidency and the Senate. Watch Fox News or listen to Ben Shapiro. You will see and hear how this new isolation will feed Republican worries and grievances in the months ahead. And you see, we're pouncing. Well, maybe the problem isn't that Fox News and Ben Shapiro are pouncing on this. Maybe the problem is that people are doing this in the first place. I have made my, I have made my own show very often a place for discussion and debate. We did the Sunday special every week for, what, two years? And the Sunday special was, was designed to allow me to talk to people on the other side of the aisle. You know how many people refused to come on the show? You know how many people said, I literally will not sit in the same room as you and have a discussion with you because that might legitimize your position? This happened on a routine basis. You can ask our producers who are asking people from, across the aisle from us on the show every single week. Democrats, according to Axios, will soon control the White House, Senate, and House. They already dominate most mainstream newsrooms, own big tech companies, and often band together inside corporations to force politically motivated decisions. Republicans will be left with Mitch McConnell as party leader of a 50-50 Senate, primetime in Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal editorial page. Most importantly, the right has the Supreme Court, which might prove to be the one reliable counterbalance and the majority of power at the state level. But here's the key point. Conservatives long ago lost so many key institutions that define national conversation, including culture, media, and higher education. Now President Trump has cost Republicans those tools of political power and policymaking. The party will have to rebuild around new people and ideas. Well, that's a change from what Axios originally argued. Originally, they said, we are now going to rethink things like free speech, freedom of association in this country. Because that's what the left really would like. Now that they have all of the tools at their disposal, they're going to rethink free speech. They're going to rethink free association. And the way they are going to do that is by proclaiming loudly and clearly, once and for all, that if you are on the right, you are in league with the people who stormed the Capitol. That if you were a supporter of Trump, or even if you didn't support Trump, if you're just a religious conservative, if you're somebody who held your nose and voted for Trump because you looked at the left and the left was getting so insane that they were openly backing Black Lives Matter rioting and backing critical race theory, and trying to ram down an, an extraordinary level of intolerance on right-wingers across the country and on people who are middle of the road and, and moderate liberals across the country. If you looked at that and you said, you know what, I'm not into that. Now the rule is that you were in favor of what happened at the Capitol last week, which is crazy and gross. And, and the people who are saying this sort of stuff are, are doing something deeply politically malevolent. If you're lumping in with the hundreds of people who should go to jail for a very long time, who did what they did last week. If you're lumping in with those people, the 75 million Americans who voted for Trump, and then probably another 100 million Americans who disagree with the left on a wide variety of issues, ranging from whether children should be allowed to, to change their sex to whether Americans should be divided along the basis of race and then special government benefits given to them. If you're lumping all those people together and saying, oh, yeah, you were those people, then you then that's the problem. You are part of the problem. Not the only problem, but definitely the biggest problem for the future of the country. Because let's be real about what happened last week. What happened last week was an act of evil, and it was unsuccessful. A Republican Senate came back into session and then voted for the certification of the election. Mitch McConnell led the way. Vice President Pence, Trump's own vice president, presided over that. It was a failure. It was a failure from beginning to end. That doesn't mean it wasn't evil. It doesn't mean it wasn't terrible. It does mean that the system was resilient. Resilient enough that within a couple of hours, Everybody was regathering on the floor of the same building that had been invaded and was voting in favor of the system. The danger to the system right now is not the exogenous danger of rioters taking over the Capitol. The danger to the system right now is the complete lack of trust, the breakdown in basic cultures of rights. So we talk on the show a lot about how culture is upstream of politics. We talk on the show a lot about how a culture matters more than the politics that, that your culture shapes you, the, the waters in which you swim, right? the stuff that you watch, the church you go to, your, your neighbors. That, that really shapes who you are as a person. And then that is manifest in politics. Politics does not shape culture nearly as much. Here's the thing. When it comes to your rights, when it comes to liberty, a culture of liberty, a culture of freedom is upstream of the politics of freedom. 
Okay, there are a lot of people today who are saying, well, you know what? You're complaining a lot, but these are all private corporations doing what they do. Legally, they're allowed to do what they do. That's true. Legally, many of these companies are allowed to do what they, they can fire you for being a conservative. They can. They're allowed to not, to not allow you to use your credit card to pay for a subscription over Daily Wire. They can. Okay, but a culture of rights, which means a people who prize the ability of people to do things they don't agree with because they believe in the underlying rights, that has to undergird any legal system of rights, because sooner or later, and usually sooner, a culture that opposes the rights of others turns into a legal structure that opposes the rights of others. It bleeds over incredibly quickly. If you think the First Amendment is going to protect you, if the entire culture has decided the First Amendment no longer matters, wrong you are. Okay, we're going to get to more of this in a second and why this has become such an issue. Yeah, because over the weekend, it really broke out into the open first. Honest to God, like now is the best time ever to get a VPN. The social media companies have decided they're going to monetize your data while shutting down points of view that you like. They've decided that they are going to ban outlets that you like while taking your data and then making money off of you. You should stop them from doing this. They should not make money off of you. Instead, you should seize back control of your own data with ExpressVPN. Did you know that your ISP, Comcast or Verizon, knows every single website you visit? What's worse, they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will then use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so your online activity cannot be seen by anyone. I use ExpressVPN on all my devices and it works on everything, phones, laptops, routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN. The best part is, using ExpressVPN is as easy as closing the bathroom door. You just fire up the app, you click one button, you are now protected. So if you're like me and you believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Use my exclusive link expressvpn.com slash Ben. Get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Like now is the best time ever to get an actual VPN. Like you need one and ExpressVPN is indeed the best one. Okay, so let's talk about what happened over the weekend. So the, the narrative has now gone out. The narrative is not that a bunch of kooks and evil people decided to storm the Capitol last week, but that every Republican was responsible, that this was completely foreseeable in every respect, that the moment Trump rose, this was going to be the inevitable outcome. Okay, all of this is not true. That's not true. Okay, let, let me just take a quick example. Do you really think that if this was the foreseeable outcome, that like it was the most foreseeable, like the most likely thing was going to be a bunch of QAnon supporters and, and nutsos storming the Capitol and taking pictures of a barbarian in a helmet? If you thought that was the most likely thing, then why was Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley backing the, the silly illegality they were backing? Why? Why do you think they were doing that? Do you think that they thought, oh, you know what? What would be a great idea is for me to destroy my career so that people come in. Like, to, to proclaim that this was foreseeable is, of course, silly. Okay, here's how everybody thought the last several months were going to go. Exactly as they had gone, meaning that Trump was going to bitch and moan. He was going to go to a bunch of courts and he was going to make a lot of arguments. The arguments were probably not going to be convincing. The courts were going to reject them. State legislatures were going to reject them. The Electoral College was going to vote how it was going to vote. And then the Congress was going to certify that vote. And a lot of people would protest and a lot of people would yell and Trump would probably lead a bunch of rallies. Okay, that was the most foreseeable outcome. Why was that the most foreseeable outcome? Because that's always been the most foreseeable outcome. And in fact, if policing at the Capitol had been proper, that would have been the total outcome. It turns out that policing of the Capitol was not proper, and so it was not the, the total outcome. I mean, for goodness sake, how, out, how outlandish, how out of the mainstream were the people who decided to storm the Capitol? Alex Jones was standing outside the Capitol yelling at people to stop. When Alex Jones is the voice of reason, I think it's fair to say that the people who stormed the Capitol are not representative of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump. But the, the revisionist history is that not only was this inevitable, every single person who voted Trump, every single person who didn't even vote Trump, but talked up some of his policies or who downplayed his tweets, who said that he says a lot of crap because he does say a lot of crap, who says that Trump is irresponsible in his rhetoric, that he heightens the tensions, that he makes the temperature warmer, but that he doesn't openly incite violence. Anybody who said that sort of stuff, they all knew this was going to happen, right? This is the line. This is the line. So this led to the most popular video of the weekend. Arnold Schwarzenegger, and this does signify where so many in the media and sort of the mainstream left wish, the, and, and Arnold was, was never a conservative, right? I mean, when, when I was in California and he was governor of California, he governed basically like a moderate Democrat, blew out the deficit and all that. In any case, here is Arnold Schwarzenegger suggesting that what happened last week is like Kristallnacht, but Republicans are like Nazi fellow travelers and then pledging allegiance to Biden forever. This is one of the most popular, one of the most popular videos of the weekend about what happened last week. I'm very aware of Kristallnacht, or the night of broken glass. It was a night of rampage against the Jews carried out in 1938 
like the Nazi equivalent of the Proud Boys. Wednesday was the day of broken glass right here in the United States. John F. Kennedy wrote a book called Profiles in Courage. A number of members of my own party, because of their own spinelessness, would never see their names in such a book, I guarantee you. They're complacent with those who carried the flag of self-righteous insurrection into the Capitol. President-elect Biden, we stand with you today, tomorrow, and forever in defense of our democracy from those who would threaten it. Okay, so first of all, a few things here. One, all the best to, to President-elect Biden in his new term, so long as he does things that, that obviously defend the rights of the American people. I wish him the best when he does things that are good for America. And when he and when he pursues policies that I think are bad for America, then we should oppose him, just as we would any other president. Any other president. Okay, when it comes to insurrectionists attempting to prevent him from being duly elected president of the United States, of course I, I support him and anybody else who opposes that, including Mitch McConnell, including the other Republicans who oppose that. As far as the Kritzelnacht comparison, it was a very long talk here that, that Schwarzenegger did where he talked about how his father and, and other men in Austria would think back to their time when they were complicit with the Nazis and then they would, this is after World War II because he was born a couple of years after World War II and they'd beat their wives and they'd beat their children and they'd get drunk. And the implication, of course, is that there are millions and millions and millions of Americans who are complicit in what happened on Wednesday. First of all, it was not Kristallnacht. You know how I know it wasn't Kristallnacht? Because Kristallnacht, for those who are historically ignorant, happened in 1938 with the express permission of the Nazi government. Okay, not implied, the express permission and encouragement and participation of members of the Nazi government. Okay, the, the dictatorship Nazi government. Okay, wasn't it there was Kristallnacht? And then the legislature came back into session and then said, you know what, that was, that, you know, I can't believe those rogues. I, let, let's, let's move on with the business of government. Okay, first of all, it was not that. It was a, a government-sponsored pogrom against Jews. 30,000 Jews were rounded up by the government during Kristallnacht and deported to concentration camps. 7,000 Jewish-owned businesses were burned down. 267 synagogues were burned to the ground. Hundreds of people were murdered at the behest of the unified dictatorship Nazi government. To compare what happened last week to Kristallnacht is a joke. Okay, it was not Kristallnacht. It was not even close to Kristallnacht. And yet the, the comparison is meant, of course, to inflame further. The comparison is meant to indict anybody, anybody, who once wore a MAGA hat or who voted against Joe Biden as complicit in the attack last week. Okay, that was the goal. Because once you do that, you can do whatever you want. Once you have labeled half of the country Nazis or Nazi fellow travelers, you can then do whatever you damn well please to them. Right? Because not, rights shouldn't apply to those people. Because if, if those people backed what we saw last week, well, then we should be deplatforming them. Right? We should be looking to, to finish their careers. We should be excising them from our social circles. Right? Those are all things that we should be doing. So this is the goal. The goal is to, to and as we'll see a little bit later on, this is, this is the overall move that the left is making right now. Ban everybody in media I don't like. Ban everybody on the other side of the aisle I don't like. Ban every outlet I don't like. And it's, having, it's meeting with a fairly tremendous amount of success. So it started with Trump, but it's certainly not going to end with Trump. We'll get to that in a second because Trump has now been banned from nearly every social media platform. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let us start uh, with, the, with the fact that it is a new year and it's time for you to dress right. It's time for you to look good. And let me tell you about Cuts Clothing. They've taken a classic men's fashion staple, the plain tee. They've refined it, combining premium quality with a minimalist aesthetic. Cuts shirts, polos, hoodies, crew sweatshirts. They're made for the man who works hard, plays hard, never settles for less, all in the sport of business. They're built for performance in the boardroom, at the bar, or the gym. Cuts Clothing keeps you sharp wherever the game takes you. Take a plain tee, but make it Tony Stark. The bleeding edge of fabric technology meets the man confident enough to wear it. Cuts Clothing, it's the perfect t-shirt. And then Cuts has set out to create uniquely engineered clothing styles and fabrics. Consider the new Cuts hoodie. They developed the Hyperloop French Terry fabric. It's a texture, that's a textile that is temperature controlled and ageless. You're never going to need to take it off and you're not going to want to. I mean, I, listen, I own tons of Cuts clothing. It is just fantastic. I basically wear it every single day. I mean, I'm talking t-shirts. I'm talking polo shirts. It's the most comfortable stuff I own. And it happens to be cut perfectly. It's like tailor. It's, it's as though I went and got it tailored. It is that good. Entrepreneurs, mavericks, athletes, podcasters, everybody loves Cuts clothing. They're echoing GQ. It is the only shirt worth wearing. Let's kick off 2021 the right way, starting with your wardrobe. Get 15% off your first order by going to cutsclothing.com slash Shapiro. That is cutsclothing.com slash Shapiro for 15% off. The only shirt worth wearing. Again, I can testify to it. It really is the only shirt worth wearing. It is that good. Cutsclothing.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so here are all the platforms that have so far banned or restricted Donald Trump. Okay, and they've done so 
on the basis of uh, some pretty weak tea. So here are the comments that got Trump kicked off of Twitter last week. So he was kicked off for promoting the untruth, promoting the lie that he won the election and that it was a, a huge victory for him and that the and that there was a possibility Congress was going to overturn it. None of that was true. Okay, so they suspend him for 12 hours. When he comes back, here's what he tweets. Okay, and it was this stuff. Over this, they decided they were going to ban him. Here are his tweets. They've now been removed because his accounts has been shut down with its tens of millions of followers. Quote, as I've been saying for a long time, Twitter has gone further and further in banning free speech. And tonight, Twitter employees have coordinated with the Democrats and the radical left in removing my account from their platform to silence me and you, the 75 million great patriots who voted for me. Twitter may be a private company, but without the government's gift of Section 230, they would not exist for long. I predicted this would happen. We've been negotiating with various other sites. We'll have a big announcement soon. While we also look at the possibility of building out our own platform in the near future, we will not be silenced. Twitter is not about free speech. They are about promoting a radical left platform where some of the most vicious people in the world are allowed to speak freely. Stay tuned. Okay, I have a question. What exactly is bannable about that? What violates Twitter's policies? Serious question. I have no idea what violates Twitter's policies there. What they said is that Trump was now exacerbating the possibility of violence with those tweets. Nope. Nope. Nothing in those tweets exacerbates the possibility of violence. He literally says there's, a, there's an alternative out there. Presumably he's referring to Parler, which we'll get to in a minute because this is the truly insane story. Trump being banned from these various sites, that's kind of wild considering he's the sitting president of the United States still. But it's what's happened to Parler over the weekend that should scare the living devil out of, it should scare the bejesus out of everybody. I mean, it's insane. It's insane what is happening with Parler over the weekend. And so here is a running list of all of the outlets that have banned Trump. Okay, Reddit banned the subreddit group Donald Trump, a spokesperson confirmed to Axios on Friday. Twitch disabled Trump's channel, citing the move as a necessary step to protect its community and prevent Twitch from being used to incite further violence. Shopify took down two online stores affiliated with Trump for violating its policies on supporting violence, like selling MAGA hats, I guess, is now supporting violence. Twitter announced that they would permanently ban Trump's account effective immediately. Google pulled Parler, which we'll get to in just one second. YouTube is accelerating its enforcement of election misinformation and voter fraud claims against Trump and other channels as well. Facebook banned Trump from posting on his Facebook accounts for at least the next two weeks, but mostly indefinitely, like forever, probably. Instagram banned Trump from posting on his Facebook accounts for at least the next two weeks, but probably forever. Snapchat disabled Trump's Snapchat account because they said that the account promotes and spreads hate and incites violence. TikTok, is a Chinese-connected company, is removing content violations and redirecting hashtags like Storm the Capitol and Patriot Party to its community guidelines. Apple threatened to remove right-wing-friendly social media app Parler. Again, we'll get to Parler in just one second because that's the bigger story. Pinterest has been limiting hashtags and Stripe is no, long, no longer going to process payments for Trump's campaign, right? Trump's campaign continues to fundraise. They can pay off all of their debts. Stripe, and this again, this one's a more dangerous one. Stripe, which is a payment processing center, has decided it is no longer going to process payments to Trump's campaign. So we've seen a bunch of social media companies say they no longer want to host Donald Trump's content and do so in coordination. Well, whenever there's that sort of coordination, it's scary. Okay, by the way, I said this about people who... I think are are significantly more outlying than Trump, right? I said this when they banned, they decided all at once to ban Milo. They decided all at once to ban Alex Jones. I don't like any of those people, as you know from the show, like at all, at all, at all, at all. But let's be frank about this. Twitter's standards here are extraordinarily, extraordinarily inconsistent. Okay, Twitter will allow Kamala Harris to literally fundraise for people who are in jail for rioting. Twitter will allow people to make death threats on a routine basis against people who are of right-wing uh, of right-wing orientation. I know this because I was literally the person targeted the most by anti-Semitic death threats on Twitter in 2016. I received thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And Twitter didn't shut down all of those accounts. And Twitter didn't shut down accounts that were promoting those accounts. So the standard that Twitter is still putting up and allowing to to re, allowing to remain up tweets from the Iranian government calling for genocide against Jews in Israel, tweets from the Chinese government touting its own steril forced sterilization of women in, in Xinjiang. Okay, like, th th there are no standards here. Okay, if there were a standard and Trump violated it, that's one thing. There are no standards, is the reality. The standards just do not exist. Okay, and it's, gonna, it's, it's going further than that. The PGA of America moved to ban the 2022 PGA Championship from Trump National Golf Club. So the idea now is that all of the employees of Trump National, who have nothing to do with Trump's political career, right? all the people at Trump National, like the, the groundskeepers, and the and the janitors and the people who work at, who work the club over there, all those people are going to lose out because they've decided that you can't even do business with any club that Trump owns because of what happened on Wednesday. Now, let me 
start from this perspective. As I said last week, you are to blame for incitement if you tell people to go do violence. That's when you are to blame for incitement. But the standard does not hold for the left. If you're Bernie Sanders and you say over and over and over again that Republicans are literally killing your grandmother because of their failure to support Medicare for all, and then one of your supporters goes and attempts to murder dozens of Republican Congress people and nearly shoots one to death in Steve Scalise, you know who's not responsible for that? Bernie Sanders. He's responsible for increasing the temperature. He's not responsible for the for the insane person who decided to shoot people based on that. Let's say that you are the president of the United States and you say over and over and over and over again that the police in the United States are systemically racist, that they are targeting black people for destruction. And then let us say that a supporter of Black Lives Matter goes and murders six police officers in Dallas. You know who's not responsible for that? Barack Obama. He didn't want people to do that. He didn't call for people to do that. And yet the idea here is that Trump is responsible, like directly responsible, so much so that no one can ever do business with any business associated with him. He should be banned from all of his accounts, not on the basis of violating policy, but on the vague basis that he is a threat to the public peace. And here is why I'm so skeptical of these claims about threats to the public peace. They're wildly inconsistent, like insanely inconsistent. It turns out the only people who are quote unquote threats to public peace are precisely the people that the left doesn't like anyway. So let me take what I think is perhaps the best example of this ever. So Keith Boykin is a CNN commentator. So he uh, he tweeted out over the weekend, quote, imagine this scenario. Reverend Al Sharpton holds a rally and tells his supporters to take back their country with strength and combat. Then five people die after Black Lives Matter activists storm the U.S. Capitol. How would Fox News and congressional Republicans respond? This is such an unbelievably great example of how the left just doesn't have, it's not that the left has, has a double standard, it's that the left doesn't have a standard. The standard is, that if you are a conservative, you are bad. And we will hold you accountable for anybody, anything anybody does. He actually used Reverend Al Sharpton in an example of what would people do if somebody incited a riot. Okay, if you're talking about borderline incitement of rioting, Al Sharpton did that twice, two times. He literally did it in Crown Heights in 1991 when he said at a funeral for a black kid who was, who was hit by a car driven by a Hasidic Jew, he said, if they want to get it on, let them pin, on my, pin back their yarmulke and come on over to my house. Okay, a riot in Crown Heights ensued. An Orthodox Jew named Yankel Rosenbaum was killed. Then a few years later, there was a store called Freddy's Fashion Mart. It was not, in fact, owned by Jews. It was, in fact, run. It was kind of subleased to a Jew. In any case, he suggested that diamond merchants had invaded the neighborhood. Okay, and this resulted in one of the people who was at one of his rallies going and burning Freddy's Fashion Mart, ending in the death of at least one person. What, so what happened to Al Sharpton? Good question. Well, let's see. He ran for president in 2004 on the Democratic side of the aisle. He was visited by every major Democratic candidate this year in order to receive their blessing. He has a show on MSNBC and he gets to comment on stuff like this. So, Keith Boykin, it seems like there is no standard when it comes to people on the left. Bernie Sanders can use rhetoric so incendiary that a person goes and tries to murder Congress people, And that results in him nearly winning the, the Democratic presidential nomination. Al Sharpton is the most well-respected, quote-unquote, civil rights leader. He's a scam artist and a grifter. He's, he's one of the most respected civil rights leaders on the left. After having participated in rhetoric so incendiary that two riots ensued. And you're telling me that there's, that there's a double standard here? I think that you've got this a little bit wrong. And none of this is to argue that Trump's rhetoric has been anything remotely approaching good here. I've said since the very beginning, I said literally since election night when he declared that he had won the election, I said that is irresponsible and wrong. You cannot do that. And then I said there's no evidence that the, the evidence is not sufficient to show that the election was stolen. I said that over and over and over again. And then I said there's no legal basis for overturning the election. I said all of those things over and over. But that does not mean that he, quote unquote, incited to the point where he you know, forced these people or wanted these people to invade the Capitol. And certainly it doesn't mean that all of the people who are, who voted for Trump, 75 million Americans who voted for Trump are responsible for that. And yet that is exactly the pitch. That's the pitch. The pitch is that you are responsible. All of you are responsible. Right? So, see, by declaring that violence is just around the bend and that anything any conservative says is going to result in violence and all of it is foreseeable, what the left is really attempting to do is they're attempting to implement the standards that have been implemented in Germany for a long time. Since World War II, Germany has implemented a standard. It's called Streitberg Demokratie. The basic standard is that if they think that you are saying things that undermine democracy, it is more of a threat to democracy than shutting down your speech, and thus your speech can be shut down. So what the left is attempting to do is claim that all conservatism inevitably ends in violence, and therefore you should be shut up. 
And therefore, you should be shut up. And what this is going to result in is massive bannings. It's going to result in massive deplatforming. It's going to result in the complete siloing of political perspectives in the United States. It is well on its way. This is why I say go subscribe right now to Daily Wire before they make it unavailable to you. Do it right now. Okay, we'll, we'll talk in just a second about how you can tell this is coming. First, let us talk about the fact that um, you might need coffee right now. I need lots and lots of coffee. I found myself drinking coffee like an insane person over the last couple of weeks simply to keep up with what is going on. Well, that is why you need the most liberating coffee known to men. I'm talking about Black Rifle Coffee. Black Rifle Coffee Company. It's a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love the country. Veteran CEO, founder Evan Hafer spent over seven years on the ground overseas with U.S. Special Forces and as a CIA contractor. Evan even modified his gun trucks during the invasion of Iraq to grind coffee anywhere. Black Rifle Coffee Company. It's continually committed to supporting veteran, law enforcement, and first responder causes. With the company's Buy a Bag, Give a Bag campaign, they make sure to give the gift of America's coffee to those that serve around the globe. In 2020, they donated over 6 million cups of coffee. BRCC offers a variety of roast profiles, all sourced from around the world through rigorous processes, roasted in the United States at BRCC facilities in Tennessee and Utah. And the best way to enjoy Black Rifle Coffee, through the Coffee Club. Free subscription, your chosen coffee is roasted, packaged, shipped free to your door on your schedule. In addition to the convenience, you'll receive special discounted pricing and gain access to exclusive products. Get the freshest coffee in America without leaving your couch. Head on over to blackriflecoffee.com slash Shapiro. I know the dudes who run it. They are fantastic. Get 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That is blackriflecoffee.com slash Shapiro. The coffee is fantastic. Blackriflecoffee.com slash Shapiro to get 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Okay, so how do we know where this is going? Well, we know where this is going because the left isn't being shy about it. So over the weekend, for example, there was a, uh, a woman named Leah Torres who is a... a well-followed Dr. MD online. She tweeted out about uh, Lila Rose, our friend Lila Rose from Live Action, who is a pro-life advocate. She tweeted out January 7th, abortion is violence. Okay, it is. It turns out that when you um, kill a baby in the womb, that is not an act of peace, exactly. It is an act of violence against another living human being. This is a typical pro-life position. Leah Torres tweeted out, this is violent rhetoric. It is objectively false and meant to incite others to commit crimes against clinics, patients, and healthcare providers. This is what domestic terrorism looks like. Okay, this is, this is how it's going to go. It's turtles all the way down. The point here from the left is going to be over and over and over again that if you are right-wing, you are inciting violence. If you are conservative, you are inciting violence. And you knew that Trump was inciting violence, and so if you voted for him, you're responsible too. This is the unpersoning of tens of millions of Americans that we are about to watch. John Brennan, who committed literal crimes. I mean, John Brennan had his CIA spying on the legislature, and then he lied to the American people about it which is, in fact, a threat to the constitutional order. He tweeted out, anyone now seeking national redemption by claiming to no longer support Trump must acknowledge how wrong it was to ignore and enable his corrupt, dishonest, and divisive agenda. Total denunciation of a despot's legacy is necessary to eradicate any remaining malignancy. So in other words, if you supported the Abraham Accords, or if you supported the tax cuts, or if you just liked his judicial picks, or if you thought that sometimes when he was fighting back in the culture wars, that was absolutely justified, you are part of the problem, right? You cannot be redeemed. You are irredeemable. You're irredeemable. Meanwhile, you got Nicole Hannah-Jones. Nicole Hannah-Jones is, of course, the progenitor of the 1619 Project, a pack of lies about the United States of America. And you have to understand how all of that ties in here. As James Lindsay has pointed out on Twitter, the entire argument of the 1619 Project is that America is a white supremacist project. And therefore, that project came to its culmination last week in the Capitol building. And the only way to cure America is to wipe clean everybody. Right? So she tweeted out, she's a damned liar. And she's a prevaricator, a Pulitzer Prize-winning garbage pseudo-historian. She tweeted out, the reckoning needs to come to the media too. Ah, there it is. And what I love most is our guardians of First Amendment freedoms, the people who say it's really bad when Trump called the press the enemy of the people, saying that it looks like some of the members of the press are, are enemies of the people. Right? I mean, that's what it sounds like right there. The reckoning needs, imagine if Trump had tweeted out, the reckoning needs to come to the media too. Imagine, just change the picture in the name. The reckoning needs to come to the media too. Would that count as incitement against the media? Would that count as an attack on fundamental elements of our republic? But according to Nicole Hannah-Jones, no, no, no. The reckoning needs to come for anyone I disagree with. Well, here's one of my personal favorites, Sarah Zhang. So Sarah Zhang is a columnist, a tech columnist for the New York Times. So Sarah Zhang, a few years ago, you'll recall this. You podcasted about it. Sarah Zhang, people dug up some of her old tweets. They were super racist. They were all about how white people were super bad and terrible. White men were awful. They're really, really bad. And there's a lot of talk online about whether she had just been hired by the New York Times. She should be able to keep her job at the New York Times. Some of us argued that cancel culture should not prevail here. The New York Times knew exactly what she was and they should hire her. 
They should continue to hire her. Let them be as openly political and awful as they want to be. Right? Some of us defended her rights. Some of us did, but not Sarah Zhang. She learned nothing. She's going to go after everybody else. So who should be banned? She says, I wonder when Twitter is going to ban Andy No. Andy No, of course, is the on-the-ground journalist who's been documenting the predations of Antifa. And so she says, it's time to ban Andy Right now is the time we get to go after all our enemies. This is so exciting, right? I mean, if you're on the left, now is a time when, yeah, something really bad happened last week and that was terrible. But the good news is now is a perfect time to deplatform and destroy anybody who disagrees with us and use every tool at our disposal from tech to the media to corporations to really just, you know, wipe the slate clean. Let's just do this thing. Meanwhile, over in Congress, meanwhile, over in, in Congress, Cory Corey Bush, who's a BLM activist, joined by Ayanna Presley, they are now suggesting that the 14th Amendment, which says that you cannot be a senator or Republican, uh, a senator or representative, ra- rather, in Congress, or elector of the president or vice president, if you joined in an insurrection or rebellion, right? It was written dire- right after the Civil War, right? So it meant to refer to people who had engaged in the actual Confederacy. Cory Bush said, yes, it's the 14th Amendment, and it's why I'm introducing a resolution to investigate and expel the members who attempted to overturn the presidential election and incited a white supremacist coup attempt. If you agree, call your representative and ask them to co-sponsor it. Now is a perfect time to throw any elected elected representatives out of Congress on the basis that they were complicit in an insurrection. All of them. So I can disagree with Josh Halley. I can disagree with Ted Cruz. I can say I thought that their policy was cynical. I thought what they were doing was not constitutional. I thought that they were doing was not legal. That is not, that is not an actual coup attempt. Okay, that is not an insurrection. Nor are they guilty for people rushing into the room. Those are, those are individuals with agency. Do you think that Josh Halley, when he, when he walked outside and he shook his fist at the protesters in support, do you think that he thought five seconds later they're going to be invading the Capitol building? Do you think he did? Really? In your heart of hearts, do you think that Josh Halley thought that? Because that would make him the stupidest person on planet Earth, right? To tie his, to hitch his wagon to that nonsense? To that evil? Okay, but that is the, that is the pitch, right? So now, everyone in Congress who you, do, who you don't like and does something that's bad, those people need to be thrown out. By the way, if we, if we consider that the basic premise of so much of the left's ideology is predicated on overthrowing basic American rights, I guess if we broadly construe that, then maybe the 14th Amendment should apply there too. Or maybe it shouldn't. Maybe this is still a free country where people get to say things. Okay, but apparently not, because this brings us to the actual biggest story of the day. The actual biggest story of the day is what the tech companies just did to Parler. That is the most threatening. It is the most scary. It's egregious. It's egregious. Capital E. We'll get to that in one second. First, let us talk about now being the perfect time to take your business to the next level. It's time to staff up your company the way that it needs to be. With the help of God, this year, the economy is going to boom. People are going to get back to normal. The vaccine will kick in. And then you're going to need employees. And if you're an employee, you need a great employer. And this is where ZipRecruiter comes in. What is the fastest, easiest way to connect employers and employees? ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter will do the work for you. When you post your job, ZipRecruiter sends it out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then their powerful matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. See for yourself right now. You can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. We have been using ZipRecruiter here for a very long time. You may have noticed some turnover in our credits. Thanks, ZipRecruiter. Are you ready to build your team for 2021? Head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Go check them out right now. Okay, so this brings us to the biggest story of the day. We'll get to it in one second. Okay, this is the, the attempt to deplatform Parler to literally take them offline. Not just by some of these supposed free speech platforms, but by actual data providers. Okay, this should scare the living. If you're a free speech person, Right, left, center. This should scare the living hell out of you. It should, because it can happen to anyone based on what the woke standards of the day are or the leftist standards of the day. It's really frightening. We'll get to that in a second. First, look, we are going to fight this culture war. We're going we're to have to fight it on every single front. I started the show today by talking about how the right had basically abandoned the institutional structures in favor of individualism, which is good, but they abandoned the institutions. One of those institutions is the cultural institutions, places like Hollywood. But we need to get back into the business of providing people content on every front 
that convinces them that conservatives are not only not bad, but are quite good. On Friday, January 15th, my birthday, Daily Wire is releasing its first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight, exclusively to Daily Wire members. Run, Hide, Fight is not particularly political. It is intense. It does have a powerful message. The movie follows a high school besieged by a quartet of school shooters. One young girl, 17-year-old Zoe Hall, uses her wits and survival skills to fight back. To mark the release of Run, Hide, Fight, we will be doing a live stream premiere the night before, Thursday, January 14th. Special episode of Backstage features Jeremy Boring and me and special guests. Come join us as we put the culture on our own terms. Now, not only can you subscribe and help us out as we join into the cultural fight, but also you can come work here. We have a bunch of open positions right now. You can check out those open positions at dailywire.com right now and see if maybe you qualify to join us. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so the big story of the day is, of course, that Parler has now been banned by Apple, Google, and Amazon Web Services, which basically takes them offline. So this is an astonishing thing. It's an astonishing thing. It should scare the living hell out of all of you. It should. It should scare you. Okay, because not only were they booted from Facebook and booted from Twitter, they were also booted from the the Apple Store, for example, so you couldn't download the app. They were They were booted from Google, so like all their platforms. And then, worst of all, Amazon shut Parler down from its cloud hosting service. That's Amazon Web Services, right? Which is basically the servers. They took away all their servers and they said, you can't use our servers anymore. So it's one thing to remove it from your app store. It's another thing to say, you literally cannot exist online because we are taking your servers away from you, right? You, you no longer get to have your servers. Now, imagine just for a second, if in the middle of the Black Lives Matter riots, and they were riots, they happened in hundreds of places around the country. Imagine if in the middle of the Black Lives Matter riots, Facebook had been kicked off of its web hosting services. It had been kicked off of the App Store by Apple because people were using Facebook to organize protests that devolved into riots. And people were probably making comments on there that were really bad. Let's say that they were doing that, which we know they were. Or Instagram, where people were coordinating their activity. Or let's say that Twitter, which has been used for more violent threats against me personally than any other app. Let's say that that their web serving, that, that, that Amazon web servers just decided, you know what? Nope, no more Twitter. The reaction would be, wow, that sounds really, really scary and fascist, in fact, to deplatform entire applications because people were misusing the application cuts directly against the culture of free speech, not the legal of free speech, the culture of free speech. Again, these companies have a right to do what they are doing. But as we will, we will talk about in a second, when you're talking about monopolistic collusion, which is really what this looks like, I am as anti-regulation as any person, as any person in America. But uh, you got to be worried about this. And you should be worried about this because, again, to be kicked off your server, like, here was the idea. The idea was, okay, you didn't like Twitter? Go build an alternative, right? I said it. I said it many times. I said, I don't want Twitter regulated. I want an alternative. So Parler came up. Now, I'm not going to vouch for Parler's policies because I don't know Parler's policies. But I do know that what you cannot do is force people off a platform like Twitter. You know, you boot people off or you alienate people. So they build an alternative and then you remove the alternative, right? Everybody should go elsewhere, they said. And they're like, okay, so build your own Twitter. You're like, okay, so we'll build our own Twitter. So they go build Parler. And then, like, well, you know what? Amazon Web Services doesn't have to support you, so you need to go build your own server farm. And after that, you know what you need to do? You need to go build your own fiber optic infrastructure. Maybe what you need to do, and, and if you can't find a bank to lend you, maybe you need to build your own banks. Well, maybe you do. Maybe that's where all of this is going. But imagine for just a second if this had happened around BLM and not around a conservative-oriented platform. Imagine for a second. That again, Facebook had been deplatformed because people were using Facebook in order to coordinate activity in the middle of a pandemic, by the way, that was going to violate not only law, but was also going to violate basic precepts of human decency in the form of riots. And so people have been like, you know what? Facebook's done. We've just taken it down. People would be like, wow, that's insane. But today, the media are celebrating this, like openly, openly celebrating this. The tech bros are taking a bad moment, a really bad moment for the country. They are making it significantly worse because there is no consistent rule they are applying here. If we are talking about apps that allow bad stuff to happen on them, Twitter is like top of the list. Okay, and, and here is the thing that's amazing. So people talk a lot about Section 230. I've said, because legally this is correct, Section 230 doesn't make a distinction between platforms and publishers. What Section 230 does is it says you are not responsible for open source posting on your website, even if you do some moderation of the open source posting, right? So if there's a comment sections on Daily Wire, Daily Wire is a publication. We are responsible for what our editors and writers put up. But if there's a comment section, and then we moderate it to get rid of, for example, violent threats, then we still will not be held responsible for the violent threat, for anything that happens in the comment section. Now, Section 230, to understand what it was about, originally, it was well understood under basic precepts of American law 
that you don't hold platforms accountable for how people use the platforms. So for example, everybody uses phones. For years, most crime was committed not online, but it was committed via phone, right? Because there was no internet. So if you wanted to commit a crime, you'd pick up the phone, you'd use AT&T, you'd call your criminal buddy and you'd go rob a bank. Was AT&T responsible for that phone call? And the answer always was no. They're a platform. They're not actively encouraging you to commit that phone call, right? So AT&T was a platform, okay? And then when it came to the internet, that was also the idea was these open source platforms were not responsible for any activity that happened that was illegal on the, uh, it wasn't assumed to redound to the liability of the company that allowed the posting, right? If you had an open source and somebody posted a bad comment on YouTube or posted a bad comment on Twitter or posted a bad comment in the Daily Wire comment section, none of those places were responsible for the bad comments that were posted. It was just the person who was responsible for the bad comments that were posted. Then some people said, you know what? We need a better internet. And there are some places that actually do want to do some comment moderation. So they want to get rid of, for example, pornography in their comment section. They want to get rid of spam in their comment section. Does this make them liable because they are now curating? And the answer to Section 230 said was, no, it doesn't make them liable. They're allowed to do some of the curation to make the comment sections better. And now, what has happened? So the baseline assumption there was that open threads were not going to lead to liability. Right? The moderation could lead to liability, so we removed the liability for moderation. That's what Section 230 was. Now, we have reversed it. So now the idea is if you do not moderate, you are liable. So the only people who are not liable in the cultural sphere are the people who do not moderate. So in other words, only if you follow the, the standards, the screening standards, the, the fact-checking standards, or the informational standards of Twitter or Facebook or Apple or Amazon, only if you do that will you be allowed a platform in the private sector. Only if you do that will you be allowed this. Okay, that's an insane reversal of the intent of Section 230, obviously, which again was meant to protect a lot of these corporations from, from liability because they were moderating, not in spite of their, mo not, not because we wanted more moderation, but because we just wanted to make sure that people who were moderating weren't getting punished extra. Okay, but now Parler has been dropped, not just by, not just by uh, the Apple store, but also by everyone, right? By Apple, by, by Amazon Web Services. Now, again, I'm all in favor of the free market, but you have to wonder about monopoly practices here. When the technological instruments that are necessary for free speech are located basically in three companies, okay, because in order for you to be online, in order for you to even host a website, you basically are doing it through one of three companies, Amazon, Microsoft, which is Azure, or Google, right? Those are the three companies. And it really is mostly Amazon. Amazon controls, according to the, uh, according to the firm Stanford, they control about 50% of all public cloud infrastructure. Microsoft controls about 16%, so now you're up to 66%. Google controls about 4%, and there are a vast bevy of like tiny, tiny little firms that have a little bit of public cloud infrastructure, but not nearly of the size and scope necessary to actually allow pages to load fast. Latency comes out, and it's a real problem. Okay, so you have these three companies, and not only are these three companies controlling all of the infrastructure, which again, that's okay, they are colluding in what they wish to ban. They are, they are colluding in their standards. Even the consumer-based theory of anti-monopoly, which is one I subscribe to, right? If it's not bad for consumers, I don't really care about monopoly. If the consumer-based theory is, is true, it is very bad for consumers when all of the companies are agreeing on the same exact standard for what they will platform and what they will not platform because there are no alternatives available. You know, everybody on the right is correctly concerned that this ain't going to stop at Parler. They're saying, oh, Parler didn't keep to our moderating, our moderating standards. Let me tell you, the moderating standards at Twitter are garbage. They're pure garbage. The moderating standards at Facebook are a little better, not super a lot, as by the way, the left has been saying. But everybody is worried where this is going to go, and they should be. They're worried that they're going to take down podcasts like this one from the Apple store. They're worried they're going to take down the Daily Wire app, saying that it's quote-unquote misinformation on the basis of bull fact-checkers, uh, uh, these, these fact-check sites that are, that are left-wing oriented. Everybody is worried about that, and they should be worried about that, because that is where this is going. That is where this is going. It's going to get worse and worse, and it's not going to stop. They're going to deplatform everyone. Here was Parler's CEO yesterday saying we were dropped by every single vendor. They made an attempt to not only kill the apps, but to actually destroy the entire company. And it's not just these three companies. Every vendor from, um, from text message services to email providers to our lawyers all ditched us, too, on the same day. And, and, they're, and they're trying to uh, falsely claim that we were somehow responsible for the events that occurred on the 6th. 
Okay, and this is what's going to happen to company after company. Because so long as the left can connect you to violence, so long as the left can even make the argument, the left's goal is going to be to deplatform you and ruin you personally, ruin your company, get you fired, destroy you in your social life. This is the tsunami. The tsunami is here. Okay, so as I said at the beginning, go subscribe to your favorite sites because you don't know when they're going to be taken down. Go help out the people who you want information from because the tsunami is coming and it is coming on fast. It's already come for Parler. It is not going to stop at Parler. Now the question becomes, what replaces that, right? What replaces that? Okay, so here's, here's what replaces that. What replaces that is the monopoly media. What replaces that is the reestablishment of the monopoly, the monopoly media. So that's been the whole goal here, right? The, the, why do you think there's so many members of the New York Times who've been stumping for literally years, the Kara Swishers and Kevin Roos's of the world of the New York Times, stumping for years on end, the juggler gumblegums, all these people saying every outlet that is not left-wing should basically be shut down, deplatformed, marginalized. All of these should be shut down. Why? So they can reestablish control of all methods of informational distribution. And then they can just control you so you can have a happier America because we all think the same, right? We all think the same because we're getting our information from the same five sources, all of which are now the trusted news sources over at Facebook. Right? Facebook has this, this quality control measure that they were using in the last days of the election, which naturally suggested that the quality outlets were ones like CNN and the non-quality outlets were ones like, you know, the New York Post because they printed all that Hunter Biden stuff. And I trust our media. I do. I mean, I think that they are trustworthy people and that they have really strong standards when it comes to misinformation and disinformation, which is why PBS hosted Dan Rather, the former news anchor from CBS, who literally presented a falsified document about George W. Bush going AWOL in 2004 as their commentator on why we need better information from our media. I mean, this is beyond parody. It's just beyond parody. Here's PBS NewsHour. Again, PBS is a public broadcasting system, right? It is publicly sponsored, taxpayer sponsored, monopoly media. Here they are talking, uh, talking with Dan Rather, an overt, an overt journalistic liar about the standards in media that need to adhere. Everything is on the table for this country. And we need to recognize that, that we can have a, a great future, a future big, bigger and better than anything our fathers and mothers ever dreamed of. But we have to move because we're, we're teetering on the, on the imbalance, if you will, of just what you described, the world in which truth is rarely pure, never easy to come by, and increasingly difficult to sort out. Oh, well, let's, uh, yeah, him. How about Brian Williams, who's back on MSNBC? Like, these are, the, these are the journalistic standard bearers, right, guys? These are the people we should trust. We shouldn't have a plethora of voices. We should shut down any other voices, and we should blame them for stuff they didn't do. That's what we should do. And then we can have a unified front on what is true and what is not. Sure, it's manufactured. Sure, the only way that that unified front is created is by excising anyone who dissents. But then we'll at least have a unified front, and we can get into real journalistic issues. Like, for example, why Kamala Harris was on the cover of Vogue magazine in one pose as opposed to another pose. This was the, the giant controversy over the weekend in media land. We'll go back to the world in which Barack Obama never had a scandal except for his tan suit. Because after all, everyone will think the same. It'll be great. Over the weekend, if you missed this, there was a giant controversy on Twitter over Kamala Harris being on the cover of Vogue magazine. Why? Was it a bad cover of Kamala Harris on the, the cover of Vogue magazine? No, of course not. It was a, a picture of her in a pantsuit and Converse sneakers that she likes to wear on the campaign trail, saying, Madam Vice President, Kamala Harris and the new America by the people, for the people, the United States of fashion. Okay, this was the bad picture because she's standing in front of like a, a pink curtain that she is standing on. That's the bad picture. And how dare they? How dare they disrespect her that way by putting her there wearing what she wears on the campaign trail? By the way, quick note, how many covers of Vogue magazine was Melania Trump, an actual fashion model, featured on? But here's Kamala Harris, a style icon in that she wears the same exact thing that every person wears to the office who is a female, but also Converse sneakers. So this became a massive controversy because, oh my gosh, here is the Vogue cover that Kamala Harris's team thought would be released. Wow, in that one, she's in like a powder blue pantsuit as opposed to the other one where she's in like a, a black pantsuit. Oh my God. Well, I mean, now the media are really doing their jobs. Yashar Ali says, I'm told this cover on the left will be the digital cover, but the much maligned cover on the right has already gone to print and will be the cover available for sale and sent to subscribers. Wow. Our media really, like, it's a time of crisis in the country, but our media really focusing in on, you know, the huge issues. Meanwhile, promulgating narratives that, again, are extraordinarily biased. So Jeffrey Goldberg, who is, a, who is an Obama administration stenographer, literally Ben Rhodes suggested that Jeffrey Goldberg was used as a mouthpiece 
for the Obama administration over and over and over and over, including in propagandizing for the Iran deal. So now Jeffrey Goldberg, who is, is such a free speech advocate that he fired Kevin Williamson from the Atlantic for the crime of being Kevin Williamson after hiring Kevin Williamson because he knew who Kevin Williamson was. Gutless, pathetic dweeb over here, Jeffrey Goldberg. Here is Jeffrey Goldberg. I say that as a fellow dweeb, okay? So if I'm a dweeb and I look down on other dweebs, they are super dweebs. Here is Jeffrey Goldberg suggesting, you know, that the fair perspective, the fair perspective is that Trump incited a mob to sack the Capitol. Is that the fair perspective though? Or is that, you know, like a little biased that he incited a mob to sack the Capitol? Here is Jeffrey Goldberg on CNN. You know, again, these are your news people. And once you establish a monopoly in news, you have the control over the, over the auspices of information. When you're describing what happened this week, it probably should be described simply as the president of the United States incited a mob to go sack the Capitol and lynch the vice president, his vice president. I mean, that is that is a fair way of describing what would uh, what what happened or what could have happened um, had the mob broken through and got to the vice president or the speaker of the House or other members of Congress. They were they were they were looking for violence. Yes, they were looking for violence. But the fair way to describe it is the, is the president incited the mob to sack the Capitol and hang the vice president. Is that the, really, is that the fair way to describe that? As before, I've held the exact same standard for Bernie Sanders as I've held for Barack Obama, as I hold for Donald Trump when it comes to the standard of incitement. But the left has no such standards. The, the, the standard just doesn't apply to folks on the left, but it definitely applies to people on the right. Let me just remind everybody that Donald Trump can do a lot of bad things. He can raise the temperature. He can tell lies. He can misinform people. He can make them believe things that are not true or at least say things that are not true and then they believe them. He can do it over and over and over again. But it is worth noting that this was an actual line in the speech that he gave right before the Capitol was stormed. Okay, here is a line from Trump's speech. And this is the same line where he said, we're gonna march over to the Capitol right now. Here was Trump, this clip 16, talking about what was going to happen next. We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Oh, did, did you hear that word peacefully in there? Peacefully and patriotically? Now, does that mean that the rest of the speech was not inflammatory? No, it was inflammatory. But you, you do have to know if you're, a new per, if you're a news person, you might want to note somewhere in there that the president did say that people were going to patriotic and peacefully make their voices heard. And by the way, that's probably what Trump thought was going to happen because that's what had happened all along. He says things, people yell and scream, and then they go home because that has always happened. The reason people were shocked on Wednesday is because it was shocking. It was a shock what happened on Wednesday. That does not mean that Trump's behavior before, during, and after was good. It really, really was not. It does mean that when you say, you know, the fair stories that he incited a mob to sack the Capitol and try to kill his vice president. Yes, I mean, that, that, is, that is fair journalism right there. Now, the whole goal here is, of course, to create a complete dichotomy between people who voted for Trump, thought about voting for Trump, voted against Democrats, didn't vote at all, right? A dichotomy between those people and the people who stand for goodness and justice and wonder in the Democratic Party. Now, let me just remind you, this could be a moment when Joe Biden and the Democrats actually put forward a unity agenda. They're not doing that. They're just going to push forward with their normal agenda, and then they're going to count on the media and social media to cover them as though they are doing something wonderful and unifying. And if you disagree, you're against unity. This has been the pitch all along. Joe Biden would be like, yeah, I like unity. Unity is great. Also, if you could just do everything I want, I'd make some for some pretty great unity. And that, that was Joe Biden's pitch the entire time. So here's the kind of unity that Joe Biden wants to pitch for the country. Right, I can, a unifying future is coming. Here was uh, President-elect Biden talking about his priorities in the aftermath of COVID and making sure the businesses get back on their feet. Does this sound really unifying to you right here? How, how does this sound to you? Our focus will be on small businesses on Main Street that aren't wealthy and well-connected, that are facing real economic hardships through no fault of their own. Our priority will be Black, Latino, Asian, and Native American-owned small businesses, women-owned businesses, and finally having equal access to resources needed to reopen and rebuild. But we're going to make a concerted effort to help small businesses in low-income communities, in big cities, small towns, rural communities that have faced systemic barriers to relief. Ah, systemic barriers to relief. So there he is. Right. So this is the unifying agenda. And then the Democrats will proclaim that this is unifying in every way. He's literally saying he's going to discriminate on the basis of race in giving out government loans and government handouts. But that's the unifying agenda. And don't worry if the media covered this, you know, media like Daily Wire. Well, the good news is 
They can just proclaim that we are racist. They can proclaim that we are inciting, that we are bad. Right? They can, this is the goal. The goal is to conflate everybody. This goes back to the, the punch a Nazi days on the left just a couple of years ago. And they were basically suggesting not only that Nazis ought to be punched, which in the United States, if you believe in civil, some of us have been against violence the entire time, guys. Some of us said that even though there's nobody on earth who hates Nazis more than I do, I'm an Orthodox Jew, you don't get to punch people based on perspective in the United States. The left was like, no, you can punch a Nazi. Also, you're a Nazi. Right? The, the left five minutes ago was saying that riots in major cities were totally fine based on their perspective. Okay, uh, do, do I trust these people to set a, a, a honest, good faith standard as to what constitutes incitement? or as to what constitutes unity, or as to what constitutes the kind of information that is misinformation or disinformation? Absolutely, I do not. 100% I do not. Okay, so th that is the goal. The goal is to create, again, and exacerbate an overwhelming monolithic push from the left in every area of your culture. And if that means deplatforming, if it means silencing, so be it, because the left must emerge victorious. Okay, that brings us to the update with regard to impeachment. So I'd be remiss if I did not comment on what is going to happen this week. So Nancy Pelosi is now pushing impeachment. Uh, she, her plan is to bring forward today a, a measure that would essentially push Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment. It basically says, if you don't invoke the 25th Amendment, we're going to invoke the articles of impeachment. Now, I'm not sure if that is even... Really, I mean, if we're talking about things that are constitutional and violate norms, Congress trying to force invocation of the 25th Amendment is kind of a weird one. The 25th Amendment is an executive branch move. And the executive branch generally is tasked, not generally, it is tasked in the, in the origin anyway, with invoking the 25th Amendment and saying the president is incompetent. Now, obviously, the 25th Amendment was, was written in the aftermath of the Wilson administration. It was an attempt to prevent people who were literally incompetent, like literally they could not sip a glass of water without help from being president of the United States. It's pretty obvious legally that the 25th Amendment does not actually apply here. No matter what you think of Trump, incompetent here does not mean bad at his job. Incompetent means like you are physically and mentally incapable of performing the office. I actually don't think Trump has changed very much over the last four years. I think that he is just as erratic and volatile as he ever was. But I don't think he is significantly more so, except that when he's disappointed in things, then he becomes worse. But, uh, the 25th Amendment, the push by Democrats to, to push the 25th Amendment is, is likely going to fail. House Democrats are saying that Pence should respond to the resolution within 24 hours, and then they're going to bring impeachment legislation to the floor. The articles of impeachment are going to accuse Trump with, quote, willfully inciting violence against the government of the United States. Now, that's going to be a very hard legal case to prove because, again, incitement generally requires that somebody be asking for violence. As I played before the clip of Trump, I mean, Trump literally said peacefully protest outside the Capitol building, because that's probably what he thought was going to happen. That doesn't justify any other part of what he has done all along here with the lying and the prevarication and the pushing of myth and the, and the characterization of the law. But it's hard to make the case that somebody is inciting violence when they literally say, I want you to go peacefully protest. And using vague language like go fight for something, which is used all the time in politics, or we're going to, we're going to win the culture war, or we, we can't stop fighting, or we need to go over there and make people feel strong. Like, and that, that on a legal basis, I cannot imagine that that is going to rise to the level of even a crime, right? You can't charge a crime on that basis. Also, it is worth noting that today is January 11th. His presidency is, his presidency is over on January 20th. Okay, so really this is more for show than anything else. And you can say that you, you like the show, you think that the legislature should, should push back against Trump because Trump was attempting to pressure the legislature to do something unconstitutional. But here's the thing, the legislature didn't do the unconstitutional thing. His own vice president didn't do it. The legislature didn't do it. So when people say the legislature needs to send Trump a message, they kind of did. They certified the election result in favor of Joe Biden and completely rejected Trump. And now he is widely derided. So he's going to be leaving. I mean, like, it's pretty obvious at this point that this is mainly an attempt politically for Democrats to, uh, to essentially suggest that ever voting for Trump by anybody uh, was, a, was a critical error, that everybody should have foreseen all of this, right? It's sort of part and parcel of the broader Democratic narrative. I understand why some Republicans are saying that they want Trump impeached over what happened. I get it. But I, I just think that it happens to be bad impeachment policy. And I also think that it happens to be more politically driven than anything else. That becomes essentially like even more true when you see the tactics that they are using. Right? The tactics that are being used right now, they're not bringing up the impeachment today. They're trying to force Pence to do it. They know, by the way, that the Senate does not come back into session until January 19th. Right? It doesn't come back into session until January 19th unless there is a unanimous a unanimous agreement by the senators to come back into session before January 19th. That ain't going to happen. 
So it really is, is not going anywhere. It's mostly for show. It's an expression of outrage. I get the expression of outrage. I just don't think it's going to be particularly effective in this particular case. James Clyburn, by the way, says that Trump's impeachment trial could be held 100 days in. So he's saying like, it's so urgent to get Trump out of office right this minute that we can wait 100 days until after he hasn't been president for literally 91 of them. <laughs> for, uh, well, actually 100, 100 of them, right? Because it's Biden's first 100 days, not 100 days from now. We can wait until he's been out of office for over, over three months and then we can have a trial on impeachment. Okay, so, so obviously this is of, of highest, uh, highest priority for James Clyburn and the rest of the Democratic Party. Clyburn said over the weekend that it would delay Joe Biden's agenda to, to focus in on impeachment right now. Again, guys, if we were two months away, if we were two months away, you kind of see it without the politics. But since we are nine days away, uh, that, that's going to be a tough one, especially because, again, there are going to be criminal investigations into everything that happened. And the story is not probably going to end here. All righty. So we're going to be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Also, go check out The Matt Wall Show to hear more about Joe Biden's new discriminatory COVID relief plans. Watch at 1.30 p.m. Eastern over at DailyWire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Rebecca Doyle and Savannah Dominguez. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright 2021. On The Matt Wall Show, we talk about the things that matter, real issues that affect you, your family, our country, not just politics, but culture, faith, current events, all the fundamentals. If they matter to you, come check out the show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.